Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Be here. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Gene pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. He's a sports editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy Nick Schultz covers Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. Welcome into the Sunday Sports Shootout here on 88.7 WLUW Chicago Sound Alliance. I'm your host, Nick Schultz. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. It's December already. I looked at my phone this morning and it said December 1st, which means I guess it's okay to start playing Christmas music. Now, I'm not going to start playing any here, but it is now perfectly acceptable to play Christmas music and have decorations up. But again, hope everybody had a great holiday. Hope everybody got what they wanted at Black Friday. I couldn't shop. I was home for Thanksgiving on Thursday. Got on the first train back on Friday to go to work. So I've been back here for three days. And it's there's been a lot going on, to say the least. But hey, the thing about this Sunday, the Bears cannot make us angry today. Because they don't play today. They played on Thursday, and they won. And Mitchell Trubisky looked good. I'll have more on that in a bit. That We talk Bears all the time. I'm not leading with the Bears. Phone lines are open. 773-508-9589. 773-508-WLUW. Okay. Let's talk about this last week. The reason why I came back from my hometown of Dwight, Illinois, shout out Cornfields, is because the Bulls and the Blackhawks both played on Friday. Blackhawks played first. They lost. Gave up five goals to Colorado Avalanche. That was a three o'clock puck drop at the United Center. So I was at my internship helping out miscellaneous. just, And then I was also helping out with the high school football state championships, which were going on this weekend, which I, got, I could probably tell you who won every game because I was sitting there marking highlights for all of them. So I was doing that during the Hawks and beginning of the Bulls game. But as I'm watching the Bulls game, they're playing the Trailblazers again. We all remember what happened the last time they played the Trailblazers. And if you don't remember, it was a Carmelo Anthony revenge game because former Bull Carmelo Anthony, who was a Bull for a whopping 10 days, went off for 25 points, and the Blazers won 117-94 to at the United Center. And I thought Chicago was going to go nuts. The Blazers aren't a very good team this year. They had these same... Wins. They had the same amount of wins as the Bulls after that game. They both had six wins. The Blazers, the same team that made the conference finals last year, did not look like a good team this year. But Carmelo Anthony carried them to a 117-94 win over the Bulls November 25th. That was on the Bulls' home court. So then the Bulls went on a trip out west. Wednesday, November 27th, They go and face a really, really bad, I can't believe I'm saying these words, a really, really bad Golden State Warriors team. And I mean the the worst team in the NBA, a bad Warriors team. This is a game that everyone said the Bulls should win. They should win this game. This would be a good response from the Portland game. I went to a bar with some friends because I'm 21 now. I can go to the bars. Went to catch up with some friends, and they had the game on as we're playing darts. And I'm watching this game, and the Bulls were down 85-83. And one of my friends turns to me and goes, hey, they're going to win. And I said, no way. They're not going to win this game. And my buddy goes, oh, come on. They're down two, and they got plenty of time. I'm like, watch and learn. The Bulls lost 104-90 to the Golden State Warriors. Let's stop and think about that. 
I know the Golden State Warriors are the Golden State Warriors. Like they, the championships, Steph Curry, everything. Well, Steph's out. So is Klay Thompson. They're both out with injuries. Draymond Green came back for that game, but I still don't think Draymond Green is the reason that team looked that good against the Bulls. I think it was because the Bulls looked that bad. And then Friday, the Bulls had a rematch with the Trailblazers in Portland this time. It's part of a three-game road swing. And I'm watching this game, and I didn't think the Bulls had a shot. Well, they let me go early from work. They let me go at halftime. And I get home. And I throw on the game because I wanted to see what happens. I wanted to see this dumpster fire get worse. And I, my conspiracy theory was that the Bulls lost bad enough, Jim Boylan was going to be fired that night. Jim Boylan still has a job because the Bulls lost 107-103, still had a shot to win the game. So not a great week for the Bulls, but somehow they lose by three to a team you just lost by, I can't even do the math, 23 points on Monday. You lost by four. On their home court. So that's a little bit of an improvement. A loss is still a loss, but a little bit of improvement in that regard. But the big news that came out of that game is what happened after the game in the post-game press conference and set Bulls Twitter on fire. And I'm pulling it up because I don't even want to say it out loud. Because I just I want to he- I want you to hear this directly from the source's mouth. Here is Jim Boylan after. The Bulls lost to the Blazers, 107-103. Of course, does this team just need a win right now? Well, we need to keep playing, playing the way we're playing, which is hard and together. The wins will come. Um, uh, wins are always good, but uh, we're building this thing. We got the blocks being laid, and um, I like our effort tonight. I like our togetherness, and I like our competitiveness. What makes you think the wins will come? Uh, if you build it, they will come, Joel. Seen that movie? I've seen He's the in movie. the movie, Joel? Okay. I've seen it. Well, but, I mean, at the same time, they haven't come yet. Okay. You guys are trying to well, build this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, dispute you on that. You're, you're right. Uh, I'm going to look at what we can grow, how, how, what I can teach better, what we need to learn, what we do well and do it better. What we don't do well, fix it and do it better. That's courtesy of NBCS Bulls on Twitter, Bulls Talk from NBC Sports Chicago. Credit to Joe Cowley over at the Sun-Times pushing back on that. You're quoting Field of Dreams after you just lost to the Blazers and you're developing this team that you said was going to make the playoffs? Are you kidding me? I about threw my shoe at my TV. And I say this every week. I almost do that. I almost did. Are you, you're quoting Field of Dreams. A, first of all, it's a baseball movie. Second of all, he didn't even get the damn quote right because it's if you build it, he will come. So there's two strikes there. And are you, you're the constant um, growth, development, heart, spirit. These guys are so great. These guys need to play better. I never take any responsibility. You, I'm not one to rip a coach like this. I hate that I've done this the last three weeks. I've come on this show in this chair and I have lit this guy up because of the constant cliches. He just sounds like he doesn't know what he's talking about. And now we've got a Field of Dreams quote? Man. I didn't think a Kevin Costner movie would set me off so much. But here I am. Why in the world does that have reference? And I give all the credit in the world to Joe Cowley. Speaking of Joe Cowley. So Lawrence Holmes over at 670 The Score, he also does some stuff in NBC Sports Chicago. He does a podcast called House of L, where he talks to members of the media about their stories. If you get the chance, look it up. I listened to it this week, finally. And the episode with Joe Cowley is amazing. And one of the things Joe talked about in the episode was pushing back against people in power and talking about, like, okay, you say this is going to happen, but it's not happening. And this is exactly what he did here. The winds are not coming. Well, you know, if they build it, they will come. But at the same time, the winds aren't coming. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, Cowley, baby. But are you joking? I thought he was kidding. When I, I saw the tweet first, because I, I was watching the Bulls postgame show. And I saw this tweet. Uh, some, a guy from Bleacher Report, I think it was Sean Hyken over at Bleacher Report, tweeted it out that Boylan was quoting Field of Dreams. And I saw it, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. There's no way. There's no way. 
And then I saw it on the postgame show, and I just, oh, my God. And then, and then, this is before the game. Chris Dunn got the start against Portland, which <clears throat> got me there. Chris Dunn is 6 for 39 from three-point territory, and I think this was in the first quarter or something like that, that Casey Johnson tweeted this out. Here's a quote from Jim Boylan about Chris Dunn. I want him taking his open shots. I don't want people backing off of him and staying in the paint. He's below his career numbers shooting. We expect those to adjust. I believe in his heart, and I believe in his work ethic. That sound you just heard is me hitting my head against the microphone because I'm just sick of this guy. Like all the cliches, and I get coach speak is a thing. Trust me, I've dealt with a lot of coach speak covering college basketball and college sports the last three and a half years. But I've never once seen a coach just constant. Does this guy just have a book of cliches? that He's like, okay, I'm going to read this one today. And apparently he's got a book of movie quotes that he said, okay, I'm going to read. I'm going to use this one today. This one fits really well. The Bulls are not in a good state right now. Through 20 games, again, 20 games, that's a good barometer for how good or bad a team is. This team is 6-14. and 14. This is the same team that John Paxson and Gar Foreman and Boylan all sat down at media day and said, we believe this is a playoff roster. And I agreed. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, okay, this team is a playoff roster. I'm not saying they're going to win the Eastern Conference. But they could make a run for the eighth seed in the NBA East. They should make a run at the NBA East. But here we are. They're sitting at 12th at 6-14, and 14, 20 games into an 82-game season. Everybody's saying, oh, it's a long season. Well, 20 games is a usually a good barometer. I think the most alarming part of this whole thing is the fact that Lowry Marketing has disappeared. I mean... What happened to this guy? As a rookie, he came in, scored 15.2 points per game, and grabbed 7.5 rebounds per game. Last year, 18.7 points per game. He managed to get better and 9 rebounds per game. He had a great year last year. This year, 13.3 points per game and 7 rebounds a game. Let's look at the field goal percentage. As a rookie... 2017, 18, 43.4%. 2018, or 2018, 2019, 43%. 2019, 20 so far, 34.9%. But that's not the scariest stat. Three-point percentage. As a rookie, 36.2%. Last year, 36.1%. Pretty, pretty even. This year, he's shooting just 28.2% from outside. Where in the world is Lowry marketing? There's talent there. But because Jim Boylan changed the offense, this goes back to coaching. Said this last week. The Bulls have a coaching problem. And another thing. What are, you, what are you doing telling me there's no shame in losing to Golden State? That's a direct quote from Boylan. There is no shame losing to Golden State. The worst team in the NBA ran circles around you guys. They look like the Warriors of old. They're the worst team in the league this year. They're without Steph Curry. They're without Klay Thompson. Kevin Durant left, and even if he was still on the team, he would be out this year. Yes, they had Draymond Green, but that's it. I don't think Draymond Green is the kind of player that can take the Warriors over the top. They ran circles around you guys. You should be ashamed of that. Even Wendell Carter after the game said, yeah, there should be shame in this. Kudos to that kid. He's speaking knowledge. He's being reasonable. But, you know, the Golden State loss, there's no shame. But the Portland loss is painful, according to old Jimbo, as Cowley likes to call him on Twitter, which I've taken to calling him now. There's no shame in losing the Warriors, but losing to the Portland Trailblazers again when you had a chance to win is painful. Okay. I, I don't even know what to say. It is confirmed that John Paxson and Michael Reinsdorf are both on this West Coast trip, which wraps up tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Central against the Sacramento Kings. I think the Bulls are going to go 0-3. I do. I think the Kings are going to come out firing. 
And speaking of firing, I'm not sure if I'm not sure if Jim Boylan is going to make it through tomorrow night. But hey, if he doesn't, if he makes it through tomorrow night, he'll make it through Christmas Eve because the Bulls like to fire people on Christmas Eve. Oh, okay. I think is that, I think I've got that. That was a good 15 minute rant I just went on. Wow. 773-508-9589-773-508-WLUW W-L-U-W, to call me up. Because I'm ticked off. I've been ticked off the last few weeks, but this, if you build it, they will come. What's he going to start, what's he going to start quoting next? Bull Durham? Is he going to start looking for wedding presents? And don't tell me he's going to break out the bad Boston accent from 13 days. I didn't know. I didn't know he liked Kevin Costner. Does he like dances? Dances with wolves? I don't know. <sighs> you know, John Greenberg over at the Athletic did a really, really great piece this week. The 2010s, Cubs and Blackhawks carry the decade, but the end was bleak for Chicago teams. It was really good. I read it on the train to work the other day. And you're reading through. Who were the stars, heroes, and goats of the last decade? Listen to these names. Jay Cutler, Derek Rose, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Marion Hossa, Theo Epstein, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Brandon Marshall, Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky, Chris Sale, Jimmy Butler, Tom Thibodeau, Joe Madden, Jerry Reinsdorf, forever. And you read through, and 2010 was a good year. Then the Bulls hired Tom Thibodeau, but then they missed out on LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. That one hurt to read. So Bulls hired Thibodeau at the insistence of Jerry Reinsdorf and made pitches to LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. The Bulls wound up with Carlos Boozer, Kyle Korver, Ronnie Brewer, C.J. Watson, Bryant Scalabrini, and Kurt Big Sexy Thomas. Expectations were heightened, but not absurdly so at first. Not with the Heat snagging James and Bosh to join Wade. And you read through, the Bulls were 21-10 and 10 going into the 2011 portion of the season. And now I'm quoting from the article again. With a head of steam, the Bulls went 41-10 and 10 in the 2011 portion of the regular season. They went 21-2 and two to go into the playoffs with the best record in the league. Derrick Rose started all 23 of those games, averaging 36.2 minutes and taking 18.5 shots per game and 8.3 free throws. No one remembers the numbers, broken down or aggregate. All you remember from that regular season is the fun. You know, I was in seventh grade that year. I Reading that, that took me back to seventh grade me, watching Derrick Rose do Derrick Rose things on the court. The Bulls made the Eastern Conference Finals lat that year, and they went up against LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. And, quoting from Greenberg, if they would have held on to a win in game two, maybe they could have upset them. But after winning game one decisively in a moment where all things seemed possible, they lost four straight. The future was bright, but it's called the future for a reason. What happened to those days? Those are the Bulls I want to remember. And I want to say, I want to make sure I get this right. Because I've heard a lot of criticism, as usual, about John Paxson and Gar Foreman. Now, I'm double-checking this to be sure. So John Paxson was the general manager of the Bulls until 2009 when Gar Foreman took over. Paxson was promoted. I think you can make the case the 2010 Bulls were set up by John Paxson because I don't think Gar did a lot. That said, when people are calling for the firing of Gar Foreman and John Paxson, this is where my opinion's going to get a little unpopular. I don't think John Paxson's the problem. I think Gar Foreman is the problem. If you notice, since Gar Foreman took over, yeah, they had the run to the 2010-2011 season. After that, after Derrick Rose got hurt, it was nothing. And here I am, we're dealing with Jim Boylan and his Field of Dreams quotes. After, this is eight years after they made the Eastern Conference Finals. So I think, and... Joe Cowley reported this week that, and my, my jaw dropped when I saw it, that m- many sources told him that 
Gar Foreman's on the hot seat. And at first you're like, okay, is this real? And then you hear that Pax and Ryan and Michael Reinsdorf were on this West Coast road trip. Could it be happening? But no, I don't think John Paxson's the problem. I think John Paxson should be a bull for life. It's a conversation I had with my dad this week. He should be a bull for life. And he, he was he was good as a GM, I thought. Let's look at that 2010-2011 Bulls roster while I've got basketball reference open here. It's where I'm getting my stats from. It's a great site for stat heads. Re- it, truly great site for stat heads. I use it all the time. I'd be lying if I said I didn't use it to procrastinate just because the numbers are amazing, what they can find. Let's find that 2010-2011 Bulls team. Listen to some of the names on this roster. Talked about Boozer. We talked about Brewer. Lou Aldang, Taj Gibson, talked about Korver, Joakim Noah, Derek Rose. That was a, that was a good team. So Gar took over on, I believe it was May 21st, 2009, is what the Google's telling me. So this would have been after the 08-09 season. That year, the Bulls finished 41-41 and under the legendary Vinny Del Negro. The year after, the Bulls finished 41-41. and And then Del Negro got fired. And then Tibbs came in and took him to the Eastern Conference Finals. The Bulls went Eastern Conference Finals, lost in the first round. Eastern Conference Semifinals, lost in the first round. Eastern Conference semifinals under Tibbs. And then they fired him. And then old Fred Hoiberg came in. That's a foreman guy. Missed the playoffs. Lost in the first round. Missed the playoffs. Missed the playoffs. Between Hoiberg and Boylan. So, is John Paxson entirely the problem? No. I don't think he's getting off scot-free. But I don't think he needs to be fired with Gar Foreman. I know everyone says fire Gar Pax. Well, that's because they're kind of a they're kind of a package deal. When you've got the GM and the and the VP, when the GM doesn't speak to the media, but the VP does, you're gonna lump them together because you can't hold Gar accountable if he doesn't talk to the media. Here's another thing. Fred Hoiberg was five and nineteen. When the Bulls fired him last year. The Bulls right now are 6-14. and 14. Now, this was supposed to be a year of improvement. This was supposed to be a year we're making the playoffs. We're going to compete for a playoff spot. Last year, they were supposed to be 5-19 and 19 at that point because they were tanking. At this point, you may as well have them tank. For Cole Anthony. But no, they don't want to tank. They want to go to the playoffs. A 6-14 and 14 record through 20 games is not going to get you to the playoffs. Sorry. I know I'm not a math guy. I'm not a math whiz by any stretch of the old imagination. But I can tell you 6-14 and 14 is not a good record if you want to make the playoffs. You're certainly not going to compete. <sighs> Jim Boylan was a good coach to help the Bulls tank. He should have been an interim coach. They should have done a nationwide search in the offseason and gotten anyone else. But they gave him that extension, and they made him the full-time coach, and here we are. The fan base is ticked off, and he and Zach Levine went at it. Again, it's not a good situation. And as long as he's in charge, it's only going to get worse. But hey, as a wise man once said, if you build it, they will come. I didn't think I would ever not like that quote. It's the same guy who was talking this week about how the line from Jerry Maguire, you had me at hello, was the dumbest quote in movie history. Not the dumbest, the cheesiest quote in movie history. 
And here I am talking about one of the greatest quotes in movie history. And I don't even want to hear it anymore. In 2017, 2018, the Bulls finished 27 and 55. 2018, 2019, they finished 22 and 60. How are they going to do this year? Who knows? But they're not making the playoffs. I can tell you that much right now. 773-508-9589. 773-508-WLUW. You know, I've been looking forward to this all week. I've been looking forward to this since the Portland game, since both Portland games, really. I was really looking forward to it after the Golden State game because I wish like it worked out where I could do this like more than once a week because I have been just, I've been building this up all week and I'm glad I can finally let it out because I'm sick and tired of mediocrity. I want, I want these teams to win. Don't give me this, oh, we're in a rebuild. We're in a rebuild. I'm tired of rebuilds. Look at how many teams in this town have been rebuilding. Yes, the Cubs paid off, but I missed the cup run that the Blackhawks had, and I want the Sox to do well because I want two good baseball teams in town, and I really want the Bears to do well again because last year was so much fun. I was talking to one of my Uber drivers this week on my way back to work and on my way back from work, and he was talking about how he remembers watching Michael Jordan play and what Michael did for the game and all this. And I'm like, I would give my left arm to see Michael Jordan play. I was born in July 98. I missed him by a month. But now I'm stuck with Mr. Cliches and Chris Dunn and a really, really bad Lowry marketing right now. But hey, Zach Levine hit a buzzer beater to barely beat, Char- barely beat Charlotte. It's time for a change. And whether or not one's going to come is another story. But something has got to change on the west side. I don't care if it's Gar Foreman going or if it's just Jim Boyle and going and you keep Gar. Like, I wouldn't be happy. Granted, I'm not happy now. But I, w- I wouldn't be happy if it's just Jim Boyle and that takes the fall. I think Gar Foreman needs to go too. But there, at some point, I know Jerry Reinsdorf's a loyalty guy. But you, you just got to, sometimes you got to say, okay, this didn't work. All that talk on media day about the playoffs. You're going to throw out the P word, I better see results. And I, I was sitting there at work. I was logging media day. I was marking where the soundbite started and stopped. So I had to listen to what they said. And they kept saying, we're a good team. And then you start hearing, oh, we're still trying to grow and develop this team. You can do one or the other. You cannot develop, you cannot grow and develop this team and make the playoffs in the same season. Oh, there, are, there are very few coaches who can do that. Jim Boylan is not one of them. This is so weird. I usually will try to find something good about the coaches in this town. Matt Nagy this year has had a bad year. Play calling. But I've found the good. I have found good and I've defended him. And I could defend him this week against the Lions when the Bears won. It was great. I expected to be so mad on Thanksgiving and the Bears won. Mitchell Trubisky had a good... He, actually, no, he didn't have a good game. He had a great game. I will say it. Mitch Trubisky had a, had a great game against the Lions. And I know everyone's saying, oh, it's just the Lions. They're the 29th worst defense in the league. I don't care if it's a high school team. He has not put up the results all year, and he did. The Bears went into Detroit and beat the Lions 20-13. to Didn't look like they were going to. Because, oh, wait, that's not the, that's not the game that was, oh, ESPN gave me the wrong game. It wasn't 20-13. It was 24-20. to Thanks, ESPN. Clicked on the wrong link. I was wondering when I saw Jeff Driscoll as the other quarterback, like he didn't play because where I was going with that was it didn't look like the Bears were going to win when David Blau marched down the field. He threw a 75-yard touchdown pass on the first pass of his NFL career, undrafted, mind you, and it looked like, okay, we're done. This is over. They're going to fold up, throw in the towel, 
but they didn't. And Trubisky had a good day. 29 to 38, 338 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. And by the way, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout here on 88.7 WLUW with Nick Schultz. If you have an opinion, if you want to chime in, 773-508-9589. 773-508-WLUW. So Trubisky looked like the guy the Bears drafted. It's his first 300-yard game this season. And how about David Montgomery? 16 carries, 75 yards. His first ever receiving touchdown. He didn't even have one at Iowa State. So his first ever receiving touchdown. And then tell tell me if you'd ever heard of Jesper Horstead before that game. A tight end out of Princeton. He caught a touchdown pass. His only reception of the day, 18 yards. Didn't look like he caught it at first. But he did. They looked on the replay and he caught it. So they got a tight end from Princeton. They got a tight end from Harvard. They got the smartest tight ends in the league. And here I am, a little old journalism major up at Loyola. I don't know what these guys majored in, but they went to Princeton and Harvard. They're they're pretty smart. The defense looked shaky in the first half, but Roquan Smith had himself a day. Ten tackles, two sacks. It's pretty good. He had five assists, so it would have been 15, I think. So the Bears are now 6 and 6. And the Lions are 3 8 and 1. So the Lions are basically out of the playoff hunt. Now let's look at the old NFL standings. See, that's why I said the good thing about Sunday about this Sunday is that the Bears can't make us angry because they played on Thursday. And the Bulls can't make us angry because they don't play. Looks like a pair of headphones just fell. The Bulls don't play today. The Blackhawks don't play today. The Bears don't play today. Here's the NFC North standings right now. The Packers and Vikings are tied for first at 8-3, and three, and the Bears are 6-6. Six and six. So if you're doing the math, the Bears are two games out in the win column and three games out in the loss column because... The Packers and Vikings don't play until later today. Can the Bears still make the playoffs? Well, maybe. They could sneak into that wild card spot. And unfortunately, I don't have the wild card standings up in front of me, but I can get those right now. Because I'm seeing graphics that have the Bears in the hunt. Which, in the hunt, the Bears, beloved Chicago Bears, the team that Everybody's been ripping on all year. The team that everyone's been saying, oh, these guys are terrible. These guys are so bad. Matt Nagy needs to be fired. Get a new quarterback. Those Chicago Bears? Yeah, those Chicago Bears. How about that? Why can I not find the wild card standings? Okay, well, you know what? The point is made that the Bears are in the hunt. I can tell you that much. The Bears are indeed in the hunt for a playoff spot, which are words I didn't think I'd say when they lost three in a row. Not even that, not that long ago. Now, they're not going to make they're not going to be like they were last year. They have a tougher schedule. I don't think they can run the table and be 10 and 6, but I can see 9 and 7. They were talking about it on the football after show, which I actually, I, I watched football after show from time to time. And the poll question was, how do you think the Bears are going to finish? And I, I said nine and seven. Because I don't think they're going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I know the Chiefs don't have a great defense. But I think they can beat the Cowboys on Thursday. Did you see that game this week? How does Jason Garrett still have a job? Cowboys, they look bad. They look really bad. They got beat by the Bills, 26-15 to at Jerry World in Dallas. And somehow, 
Jason Garrett still has a job. I think that's something we can all agree on is that Jason Garrett should not have a job right now. It's almost like we should all agree that Dan Quinn should not have a job in Atlanta. And the only reason I know so much about that is because I have Matt Ryan starting in my fantasy team, and, well, that has not worked out. Here's the Bears' final schedule. Cowboys at home on Thursday. Packers at, Packers at the House of Pain in Green Bay on December 15th. Chiefs at home December 22nd. And the Vikings on the road December 29th. That is not easy. You have the teams that are tied for first in the NFC North. You have Patrick freaking Mahomes, enough said, which I'm going to set an over-under on that game, December 22nd. I'm calling it right now here on December 1st. It will take five minutes for them to show eight. Actually, no, I'm not going to give them five minutes. It's going to take them three minutes. To show a graphic comparing Mitchell Trubisky and Patrick Mahomes. Because they were taken in the same draft. Ryan Pace, We all know Ryan Pace traded up in the draft to take Trubisky. And here we have Patrick Mahomes, the MVP, the face of the league. And you got Deshaun Watson down in Houston lighting it up. And then you got Trubisky, who's out here. We're cheering him on about a game against the Lions. Which I'm not, I'm not taking that away. Like, he had a great game. But you get to consider the source. If he does this against the Cowboys on Thursday... Then the haters would be like, all right, I respect that. I'd hope. I would hope that. Otherwise, you'd be like, oh, well, Jason Garrett needs to be fired, so it's not that great a game. Just take the good guy. You know, David Kaplan had a good point on the radio on Friday. I was listening to him on the way up. Just give him a compliment. Like, it's okay to compliment Trubisky. It's all right. You can do it. You're not saying you're wrong. You're just saying, okay, he actually had a good game. You're saying, okay, he had, a, he had a good game today. Like, pat him on the back. Like, okay, let's see if... Like, my attitude is, okay, he had a great game. He looked really good. Do it again. And if he does it again, okay, that was another good game. Do it again. That's my attitude on I'm not a delude... I'm not... I, I know I joked before. Like, I was on the Trubisky bandwagon and I was off of it. Well, let me tell you. That bandwagon, it, I, I'm getting close to getting back on. I'm this close to getting back onto it. And... If he can put together a string of games here where he does not exact, I wouldn't say exactly what he did against the Lions because there were a couple bad plays in there. Like that run when he was going on like third and four when he was running for the first down and then just all of a sudden ran sideways like he's spending too much time with Tariq Cohen. That was not a good play. That interception he had, that was not a good play. You take those two plays out, he had a really good day. I don't know if there are odds out yet. For that game against the Cowboys. But I, I am. As long as Jason Garrett. Is the head coach of the Cowboys. Cowboys are favored by three and a half. I think the Bears can. I think the Bears can go into Soldier Field. And win that game. There. I said it. I don't know if they will. But I think they have a good shot. After what Dallas did against Buffalo. On their home turf. Yeah. No. No, 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 no. That's why the the spread is only three and a half. Seven seven three five zero eight nine five eight nine is the phone number. Seven seven three five zero eight WLUW. If you want to chime in on Bulls, Bears, Blackhawks, Cubs, Sox, college, Kevin Costner movie quotes, call me up. Let's talk about the Blackhawks. Like I said, I worked at NBC Sports Chicago back-to-back nights. The Hawks played on back-to-back nights. This goalie tandem that the Hawks have of Robin Leonard and Corey Crawford has been solid. Like that's be, that's put that's an understatement. Been really, really good this year. But the Hawks were outscored twelve to five over two days against Colorado. One game at the United Center, one game in Colorado. Now the Avs are a good team. They're a really good team. And they also just got back uh Miko, I think it's Miko Rotten, and they just got back yesterday on their front on their first line. And that's then it was a good team. That's a team you have to play defense against. I know it's a novel concept. You've got to play defense. And that's where and Duncan Keith got hurt in that first game against the Avalanche, and you missed him last night. 
I know he ha- I know he hasn't made, been like as much of an impact player as he was during the cup years 2010, 2013, 2015, but his presence is still needed out there. And you saw that last night when Robin Leonard gets pulled after giving up five goals, which keep in mind, Corey Crawford also gave up five goals in the same amount of time the night before and stayed in the entire game. But Robin Leonard gave up five goals, and Jeremy Collins said, all right, we're pulling you, putting in Crawford. Crawford gave up two more, but they weren't both on him because the Hawks just couldn't play defense. You know a play is bad when you're sitting in the NBC Sports Chicago newsroom and Jamal Mayers is walking past, and he stops and watches the TV, and you hear him go, where are you going, Gus? Talking about Eric Gustafson. Because Colorado scored the fifth goal, and he just stood there with his arms in the air, just going, where are you going? So we were talking about how the Blackhawks are playing so well, but they kind of laid an egg this week. But again, that's a good Colorado team. And that first line is the best in the league. That's objectively speaking in that regard. My guy, Ben Pope, over at the Chicago Sun-Times, he's the Blackhawks beat guy over there. He had a really good stat yesterday about the Colorado first line. This was, would have been after the fifth goal? It was not Ben. Maybe it wasn't Ben. Someone, ah, here it is. He quoted a tweet. He quoted a tweet from Ryan S. Clark, who is the Avalanche beat writer for The Athletic. Nathan McKinnon, this is all last night. Nathan McKinnon had three points. I'm, I don't know how to say that. <laughs> I'm going to butcher this guy's name. I feel like Chance in that SNL skit. That's a J, an O, and an O next to each other, so that's a nope. I think it's Jonas Donskull. I think that's how you pronounce it. He had four points, and Miko Rontanen also had four points. So combined, if you're keeping score at home, that's 11 points. That is a really, really good first line. And the Hawks just couldn't, they couldn't match up with it. Again, I miss the days when the Hawks were really good. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, do I think they should have fired Joel Quenville when they did? No. I said that. On these airwaves, it, well, I was in I was in that chair at the time. I said it on these airwaves. Joel Quenville should not have been fired when he was. Jeremy Colleton could still prove me wrong. There's time. He's a first-time head coach. He's, what is he, 36? I think he's 36 years old or something like that. Oh, I'm sorry. He's 34 years old. He's the head coach in the, in the NHL at 34. So you got to give him a little bit of time. Now, yes, I'm cutting him more slack than the other guy who coaches in the United Center because the other guy in the United Center was a career assistant. So I'm giving Colton a little bit of a break. And I'm not sure his GM gave him a very good roster. Do I think Stan Bowman needs to go? Yes. Will he? No. But that's another story. The Hawks are not in a bad state, I feel like. They're also not in a good state the Blues come to town tomorrow defending Stanley Cup champions come to town in the United Center 730 puck drop and I have no idea how that game is going to go if they play like they did against Colorado it's going to be bad but if they play like they did against Dallas the second time when they scored, when they won three nothing, or like they did against the Predators when they were out for revenge, when they won seven to two, it'd be a good game. Man, banner week for the United Center tenants, huh? Seven seven three five zero eight nine five eight nine seven seven three five zero eight WLUW. A little bit of Cubs news today from uh, Jesse Rogers. Cubs coaching staff is set. Some Cubs news this morning, according to a source. They're hiring Craig Driver to be a first base and catching coach. He was with the Phillies the last two years, worked wonders with JT Realmuto, who just won a gold glove in 2019. Just two years in pro ball, but a great rep coaching catchers. That's from Jesse Rogers over at ESPN Chicago. And he followed up with this tweet, which is really interesting. The Cubs must have the deepest catching infrastructure in baseball. Craig Driver joins David Ross and Mike Borzello, plus Mike Napoli's on the staff now. That's four catchers. If Wilson Contreras and Victor Caratini 
are ever going to improve on some weaknesses, now is the time. And the thing about Craig Driver is he's a good defensive catcher from what I've read. And the thing about the my one big qualm about Contreras is he's not the best defensive catcher. He's not a very good pitch framer. And that's why I still say he's probably going to be the odd man out this offseason because the Cubs are going to make a move. But if he does stay, he's got a quality coach in Craig Driver. But the, the coaching staff is now set because the only thing they were missing was a first-base coach. Because Will Venable is going to move over to third base and replace Brian Butterfield, who I would have tried to keep. But I know he's a Joe Madden guy, but I, I would have tried to keep Butterfield. There are very few things I agree with Alex Rodriguez on, but I agree with him that Brian Butterfield is one of the better coaches in the game. But I don't think Will Venable is going to be bad as third base coach. He filled in for Butterfield. I think Butterfield had some vertigo issues or something this year. And I, I don't quote me on that. But he had he had some health problems and had to, he was sick, had to miss a few games. And Venable filled in at third base, did a pretty good job. But the coaching staff is set nonetheless, which means we can start the season now. No, not yet. It's only December. Okay. Well, it's okay. It's a little cold for baseball. I, I can, I, a kid can dream. But at least we know what David Ross has to work with as first-time manager. And I'll be curious to see how Cubs convention goes this year. And I want to know what kind of moves the Cubs are going to make this offseason because the hot stove right now is about as cold as it is outside. There has been nothing going on yet. And I'm sitting here just going, let's go, I'm bored. Which, I mean, that's how I always am. I'm still taking classes for the next week. Of course I'm bored. But, like, give me something. Other than these little signings of guys coming off Tommy John surgery or something like that. So that news broke the, just this morning. And that's really the biggest Cubs news that I have because it's the off season, And like I said, the hot stove isn't even the lukewarm stove yet. So that's where we stand right now. I also, this, this hurts, this hurts to say, I have to, I have to admit something. I was wrong. I hate saying those three words, but I was wrong. I wrote a column in the Loyola Phoenix a few weeks back. I'm going to get the exact date for you. And it was about the state of Chicago professional sports right now, the Bears, the Bulls, and the Blackhawks. They were all playing like garbage. And I'm being nice because I'm on the radio. They were all playing bad. November 6th was when I wrote this. So that's a little less than a month ago. My headline was, Help us, Loyola Ramblers. You're our only hope. And I was writing this saying, the Bulls look like they never played basketball before. The Bears are playing. The Bears lost four straight games. The Blackhawks still don't know how to play defense, which that, that that one still held up. And I wrote that college basketball can save the town. It's going to rely on. It's going to be Loyola and probably UIC leading the way. Talk about a swing and a miss on that one. This week, Loyola competed in the Cayman Islands Classic and blew two double-digit leads and managed to hold on in the third game to go 1-2. and two. But they've struggled now to a 4-4 four and four record. And I looked at UIC's record the other day because you're going to see why I looked at UIC's record. And UIC, after being picked, what were they? I forget what they were picked in the Horizon League preseason poll. Uh, let me find it. Third. USC was picked to finish third in the Horizon League. They're 2-5 and five right now. Meanwhile, in Lincoln Park, the DePaul Blue Demons are 8-0. Who saw that coming? And I know people were joking with me that I didn't bring up DePaul in that column, but I'm like, they were picked last in the Big East poll. I'm not going to say that they're going to save college basketball. or not gonna, They're going to save Chicago sports right now. They beat Minnesota this week. They have three high major wins now. Keep in mind, again, he was picked last in the preseason poll. Dave Lado was suspended for the first four games, their head coach, for uh, recruiting violations. 
So yeah, expectations were pretty low. But man, I was wrong. I really didn't expect, A, DePaul to start 8-0, and B, with Loyola's non-con schedule, that that lost to Coppin State was not not good. Coppin State was 342nd out of 353 in the NET rankings last year, which means they were the 11th worst team in D1. And those double-digit leads in the against South Florida and Colorado State, like, that record should... Eas- that could easily be seven and two. It probably should be. But DePaul is on a roll, and they got a huge test coming up this week over at Wind Trust Arena. Who's coming to town? Texas Tech, twelfth ranked team in the country, a Texas Tech team that just lost this week. To Creighton, 83-76. to A Texas Tech team which also lost to Iowa, 72-61. Keep in mind, DePaul beat Iowa. So this is going to be a real test on Wednesday. At 7.30 p.m. at Wintrust Arena. I know I'm going to be, I'll be, I hope my professor isn't listening. I'm going to be watching that game in class because I want to see what happens. But Loyola has uh, Ball State this week down in Muncie, which this is a it's a pretty fun game. So Mul- Mike Mulligan, David Haw host the uh, morning drive show over at six seventy. The score. Mull is a Loyola guy, and David's a Ball State guy. They're both good buddies, so I give him, I've been giving him a hard time about it. <laughs> it's I'm calling it the Mully and Haw Bowl here on Tuesday. I don't know how Loyola's going to do in that one, because I I also just don't know how Ball State's doing this year. But either way, the best case is Loyola's five and four. The worst case is they're four and five. Meanwhile, DePaul will either be nine and zero or eight and one. So gotta eat crow because I was wrong, and I hate being. If you know me, you know I hate being wrong. It happens more than I'd like, but you gotta give credit to the DePaul Blue Demons because that. Charlie Moore and Paul Reed are just on a tear this year. Charlie Moore is the transfer from Kansas. Now, this is all after they lost Max Drews, who averaged 20 points a game last year. The same Max Drews who got into the first half for the Bulls the other day. Because, yeah, he's a two-way player on the Bulls now, so he's splitting time between Windy City and Chicago. So they lost Max Drews, but they managed to get even Better because they've got Charlie Moore, they've got Paul Reed, whose 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 scoring average is up three whole points. Talk about your wake up call. Yes, I was I, my jaw dropped when I saw that DePaul beat Minnesota to go eight no. So really good things going on in uh, Windtrust Arena, and I know that'll ruffle some feathers of any Loyola fans that I'm saying good things are going on at DePaul. Because DePaul and Loyola haven't played each other in years for reasons I do not know for sure yet. But those two teams... Loyola doesn't play any Chicago team this year. They usually played UIC, but I want to say UIC got a new athletic director and the contract expired, and there was just a little... I think it was too late to renew it. So I'd expect that game to come back next year. That's just a guess. No intel, no sourcing at all. That's just a guess. But keep your eye out on DePaul. That that team could make some noise if they keep this up. I have a disclaimer to add, though, that they, they did a similar thing last year where they started off hot and ended up finishing... Uh, 7-11 and 11 in conference play, I think, is what they wound up with. I have it all written down in my notes here. Uh, DePaul went... I must have taken it out of my notes. But either way, DePaul did not finish with a great record last year. They weren't a tournament team, again. But they keep, the, they keep this up. It's going to be... Yeah, no, it's not going to be like when DePaul ruled the city like the 1980s. 
I'm not saying that, but this that's a good team over in Lincoln Park. And you got to get credit where credit's due. But that's what's going on in college basketball in town. So college sports are in a that's just if you want if you want to watch good basketball, watch DePaul because you're not going to watch good basketball with the Chicago Bulls. Again, Bulls Kings tomorrow night in Sacramento. It's a late tip off. I'm going to be working that game, so it's going to be a late night for me. And the Blackhawks play St. Louis tomorrow at home. Crazy Chicago sports night. And the Bears play Thursday against Dallas. This can be another fun sports week as we enter December. Which that's still, I I can't believe it's already December. I feel like I blinked. This semester has flown by. That means I only have one semester of college left. That means I have to start the job search. That means I have to like do adult things. That means I probably should stop sleeping in as much as I do. But hey, I got one semester left. I got to enjoy it. But a really great Christmas present would be for all the Chicago sports teams to make the playoffs. I'm going to do like my like, like like a Steve Martin's Christmas wish on Saturday Night Live. If I had one wish this holiday season, it would be for all the Chicago sports teams to suddenly get better and everyone makes the playoffs and everybody's happy. And if I had two Christmas wishes, the first would be the playoffs, and the second would be for Mitchell Trubisky to come back and win the Most Valuable Player Award. Because I always joke that Whenever Mitch has a good game, I joke, okay, he's going to win the MVP now. Let's go. He's good. As I jump back and forth, I play it up. Like, I really, I objectively speaking, I would, I said on this radio show, when they traded up for Mitch in the draft, I thought they were trading up for Deshaun Watson. I would much rather have Deshaun Watson. Like, I joked that, like, oh, I ride or die with Mitch. No, I I really, I really don't anymore. Like, I want him to do well because I want the Bears to do well. But he's got a. There's gonna be a good, good test this Thursday, over on the lakefront. When the Cowboys come to town, and I can't wait to watch it. So again, no football today. Enjoy a stress-free Sunday. That way you're not yelling after a three and out on the first drive of the game, which they didn't do against Detroit. I got. I got to give them credit there. They didn't go three and out on the first drive. I think they actually had a touchdown on the first drive. So I have exhausted my notes here. I think I have hit everything I wanted to hit. Because I spent a lot of time talking about the Bulls because there was just so much to talk about. The fact that I went on for almost a half hour about about the Chicago Bulls, the one and only Chicago Bulls, Tells you just how ticked off I am and how fired up I am about that situation. I hope it gets better. 20 games in. Only 62 more to go. Are they going to tank for Cole Anthony? Or are they going to make a run at the playoffs? Will Lowry Marketing find his shot? Will Wendell Carter continue to be the voice of reason? And when will Otto Porter come back from that injury? And how much of an impact is he going to have? That's the lost. That's kind of the, the lost storyline of this whole thing. Is they're doing this without Otto Porter Jr., which Otto has not been the player that they thought they thought he'd be. But he's still he's still a good player. He's the highest paid player on the team. So that said, I don't want to see Chris Dunn in the starting lineup ever again. But we'll see what happens. So closing in on the final. 30 seconds of the show, so I want to thank everybody for listening, and again, I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving, and you're ready for, I'm, I gotta get ready for the last week of the semester here, which is crazy. That said, I'm still gonna watch all the sports. So, thanks again for listening, everybody. I hope you have a great week, and I will see you back here same bat time, same bat channel, for next week's Sunday Sports Shootout, here on 88.7 FM, WLUW. 
Have a great week, everybody.